Hello, Julian. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. And how are you tonight? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to Veterinary Ramblings. My name is Mike Brampton. And I'm Julian Hode. Let's talk about what we do. We could talk about regulatory bodies tonight. Regulatory bodies? Yeah. With every board, you've got to have uh, a certain number of lay people on it that, that, that can actually give an unbiased view. Right. I think. I, I don't really know. I, I'm not explaining it well, but I know someone who can. Okay. And that's my mate Adrian, who I was at vet school with, because okay. he's on the board for the Nursing and Midwifery Council. I'll oh. give him a buzz, see if he can come on tonight. Okay. Hold on. Adrian. Adrian, mate. Yeah. Hi, oh, yeah. Yes, me. Yeah. Uh, Julian. <laughs> Julian Hode. Yeah. Close friends. We're, we're, we're at college together? No, that was John. Ju Julian. Just pretend you know me, all right? Okay, yeah. So, okay, yeah. Uh, do, do, do you want to come on the veterinary handlings, mate? Tonight? Can you make it now? Yeah? Excellent. Great. Grab a drink and see you in a Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's going to come on. So what's his name? Adrian Ward. Adrian, Adrian Ward. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. And here he is. How seamless was that? Fantastic. Excellent. So let's get him. And welcome, welcome to Adrian Ward. Hello, Adrian. Well, welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. So I'm drinking Negroni and it's a jolly nice one. What do you, what do you want, Adrian? Uh, this is just a gin and tonic. This is a Sipsmith gin and tonic uh, with some uh, fever tree uh, tonic water as recommended by Sipsmith. Indeed. In other, fact, other tonic waters are available. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Jolly good. So is that a plain Sipsmith then? Sorry? Is that a, oh, it's a plain one, yes. Yeah. Some of the... Um, Flavored ones, they're very nice, but you you probably only have a glass or two. Um, uh, whereas the plain stuff, generally speaking, is is session gin, really. Oh, I think I think Mike and I could make a session out of a lot of flavored gins. <laughs> and, and you've been known to Adrian. You've been known to. No, you must have me confused with someone else. <laughs> All right, okay. So it's in your oh. go-to drink, then, Adrian. Um, well, I'd, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm searching for my go-to drink. It depends what day of the week it is. It's normally my whiskey. Uh, that's generally after I've had quite a lot of gin. Mm. Because what, not, yeah, it's only by right then I forget how dreadful whiskey makes me feel. Probably because I've had a large amount of gin beforehand. So you drink gin and then you go around to Julian's house and drink his whiskey? I, I would never do that because it would involve driving or sourcing other form of transport, and it's quite a long way. So, oh. so I, what I normally do is before I have gin, I go over to Julian's house. I have the gin there, probably with some beer and some wine as well, which again I think may contribute to my feeling of unwellness the next day. And then I decide that when Julian asks me if I want this particularly nice whiskey, I decide that maybe that would be the whiskey that doesn't give me a hangover. Right. I think we'd better reassure our American listeners that in the UK we, we have we have various forms of um, of motor rescue um, companies that will come out and rescue you if you if you break down. And one of them is the Royal Automobile Club, which is known as the RAC. And then the other one, which is probably appropriate at this moment, is of course AA. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've I've been to their meetings. Have you? I've stood up and said, "My name is Julian Hood." And my car wouldn't start. <laughs> they kicked me out. Did they really? Oh. Is that because you? Is that because you were drinking at the AA meeting? Yeah, I spilled it as I turned around. Mm. Uh, and we do. I have to add, we do in no way condone heavy drinking. No, no, no. And other other forms of imbibing are, of course, available. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So, uh, the reason we called you in uh, at such short notice was because I was trying to explain to, to Mike why certain boards needed lay members on it. Yes. And I thought, I can't explain it, but I knew someone who could. Because you are, are you chair 
of the Nursing and Midwifery Council. I'm chair of one of their disciplinary committees, yes. Right. One of their disciplinary... So you're, you're a vet, aren't you, Adrian? I am, yes. Right, so you are chair of the disciplinary committee of the Nursing and Midwifery Council. That's it, yes. But you're a vet? Yes. I, I am a lay chair, which means I am not a nurse or a midwife, but generally speaking for the Nursing and Midwifery Council, um, all of the chairs of a um, fitness to practice panel tend to be lay members. So this, 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 this is a disciplinary panel. Is, is yeah, this, so did, you get into this, did you get into this with something to do with, with naughty, nurses being naughty? Uh, well, it started off with vets being naughty, and then it, I moved on to nurses after that. And I deal with accountants as well. Mm. There's naughty people everywhere, really, or naughty professionals everywhere. You can't get naughty accountants, though, can you? Well, you would you would think that. You would think that. But generally speaking, the strange thing happens when very, very large sums of money are involved. Mm. Are we talking accountants here or nurses? I, I think you could probably <laughs> apply it pretty much everywhere. Okay. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, there, there are there are bad apples and unfortunate mistakes regardless of the profession you're in and the the when you are providing a service to the members of the general public then the public need to know that when they engage a professional to do a job they're going to get essentially someone who is competent to do that role and is not going to do something that they shouldn't can we, can we get back on can we get back on to disciplining naughty nurses i, I quite like this <laughs> they, you're getting carried away mike i think yeah, surely He's looking a bit flushed, isn't he? Well, presumably you're not allowed to whip them into sense. No. Not, 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 now, not nowadays, no. Okay. So it's, it's actually, it, it's, it's quite serious stuff, isn't it? Because mm, it you, is. you are part of the body that keeps the public safe from people who, uh, I was, I was going to say, have made mistakes. Now, you're... Your job is, is is to see whether people have made mistakes or whether, I'm trying to find a better way of putting this, whether they're just shit. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably a better way of putting it, but uh, whether, whether people have been negligent. Uh, no, that's, that's actually not the role of a regulator. So right. negligence is generally something that your professional indemnity insurer will become involved in. So most regulators are not, um, not interested in negligence. Negligence is basically performing below the standard considered to be acceptable or representative of a, an averagely competent person. Um, and the threshold for that is relatively low and it tends to be decided in a civil context. So you take someone to court and you sue them, uh, basically. Professional regulation is, is far more serious because that tends to involve um, breaches either of professional standards or of professional conduct that are far below the standard expe expected. Um, so it is a pretty serious matter um, because when you get to the point where there's a disciplinary committee involved or a tribunal, then that's normally the point where your registration and your professional livelihood is at, is at stake uh, if you're found to be wanting and wanting badly enough. So, so these really are people who have been pretty pretty bad pretty slow yeah, generally speaking i mean the, the thing is that there are there are a number of stages depending on the regulator you work for there's a number of stages to the process which are supposed to sift out the things that are negligence um, and a, a matter for the civil courts or they are something that could be dealt with uh, at an early stage in the process such as giving a warning or um, some sort of fixed penalty. If you're talking about accountancy, for example, they use fines quite a lot in accountancy. That doesn't apply to the medical professions. Um, and then you get on to putting restrictions on the type of practice that people can uh, undertake. Um, so what we call conditions of practice for the NMC um, or performance protocol for the RCBS or sending someone for remedial training. And then you're up to the level of um, suspensions or striking off order, which is obviously the, the, the ultimate sanction. Hmm. Hmm. You must hear some horrific stories. I mean, they're, I guess they're often extenuating circumstances. Yeah, they, there are cases that are very sad. Um, and fortunately, the 
the regulators almost without exception have protocols in place to, to help people, um, of course, and, and particularly um, pertinent considering the current climate and uh, very pertinent considering this particular um, webinar or podcast or webcast um, is, is uh, drug abuse um, and mental health conditions. Um, so, um, so sometimes, yes. Um, so sometimes you do tend to uh, uh, tea. What? Uh, Mike looked like he had a mug of tea. Navy strength rum, mate. Oh, I was Navy strength rum. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, that's fine. I was I was worried for a moment. Yeah. So um so yeah, in, in the in the instances where someone is has. Um, there's been a, a lapse in standards because of a health or uh, condition and mm. by health, that's both physical health and, and mental health. Most of the regulators um, can refer those individuals to uh, mechanisms to, to try and support them um, and help them return to, self, say, return to safe practice because no, no regulator really is, is out to, if you like, get the professional um, you know, there is there is a very strong need for qualified, competent professionals. Um, and the, the aim is to make sure that the bad apples are removed from the system to make sure that the rest of us can do our job properly. Um, because if we're not trusted, then, you know, we, we can't work um, and we can't engage our clients um, and we, we can't get a meaningful working relationship with them. Yeah. So... That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Clients. They, I, I guess I, I've, I've been on the receiving end of, of, a, of a complaint. Uh, and, and actually, uh, to, to let you into a secret, Julian, that's why I got involved with the RCBS, hmm. because of your experiences when you were on the receiving end, because I felt very strongly that you weren't given a fair shake, as it were, and the process was far too long and drawn out. It took, it took over a year. Uh, I can't um, at the end of the day, they were found to be completely in the wrong and, and, and were described by the RCBS as malicious. Uh, and, and um, you know, great, it was you know, thoroughly vindicated. But it was over a year of, of stress in my life, and, and, and the, 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 the whole process was. Uh, at the time, I thought completely without any humanity. Uh, it was almost as I was guilty uh, without any um, without any trial. And I think that's got better now, hasn't it? It has improved. Yeah, I mean, I think all of the regulators have done quite a lot of work, realizing that when you're in the spotlight and you're subject to a regulatory complaint, um, there is um, it is extremely unpleasant and it's very very stressful when many of us are already working in an extremely stressful environment um, and it is one of these things where when you, you meet new graduates nowadays talking about vets generally speaking um, there is a, a fear of the, the Royal College um, and the same when you t- talk to nurses you know the nurses just think well the NMC's not looking out for me the NMC is here just basically to take a registration fee and hit me with a big stick periodically um, you know that that's not what they're there for, um, and it's very difficult to to try and provide some balance uh, as far as that's concerned. And it's interesting, I think, because most I, I believe I might even say most of the complaints, certainly with the in, in veteran profession, most of the complaints are brought about uh, as a result of poor communication. Yeah, yeah, and, I would, yeah, I would certainly yeah. say that that's that is the basis of a lot of complaints, um, failure to manage expectations being kind of a subset of that, unrealistic expectations, um, sadly. Um, unfortunately, we can't save every animal. Sometimes it is, it is just their time. It's the, the, the natural end of their life and they're not going to be saved. And unfortunately, the problem with the grieving process is part of that process is anger. Um, and if you're, um, if you're like a, an outside party, someone from outside the family, um, and you were around and involved at that particular time, then unfortunately, it is just the nature of things that you will end up being in the firing line for that. And it doesn't, it's not fair, and it doesn't make it right or anything along those lines. 
and it's really difficult, but that unfortunately is what happens. Mm. Um, and sometimes people do these sorts of things in order to try and understand what has happened and to um, process it or, or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, we you try and handle these cases as sympathetically as possible. Um, but my my focus since I've been with the Royal College is to try and um, get, make sure that the process is fair and proportionate. Um, it needs to be there. It is very important, but it needs to be a humane process on, on both sides. Sure. And I guess um, my point was uh, at the time of mine, this, this was, oh gosh, uh, 10 years ago? About 10 years ago? Yeah, it will be about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I found most hurtful of all was that there was very, very shoddy communication from the Royal College to me. Uh, and in fact, at one stage, uh, I received another complaint. I was in the middle of this complaint, received another complaint with a letter from the RCBS saying, you must um, account for your actions. Uh, that This client has alleged you have gross professional misconduct and we want to hear your side of the story. Uh, and they sent the letter to the wrong person. So that wasn't a client of mine at all. And so I phoned them up and said, look, I, I, I've been looking for this client. I, I, is, is, uh, is she registered under another name? What, what is it? I can't find the client. I can't find the patient. They said, oh, <laughs> no, no, sorry. That was, I think they say, sorry. No, no, that was, that was someone else. Uh, we, we sent you the wrong letter. Yeah. No apology, nothing. And no, I was there with yeah. my hand thinking, you know, what, shall I end it all now? So uh, I, I don't want to harp on too much about it, but actually there, the communication was absolutely abysmal. And if there's one thing that I hope that you, you've been part of uh, changing is, is that communication has improved. Well, I, I, would, I would be very hesitant to say I've been instrumental in that, but it is one of these things where I, I myself and my, my other veterinary colleagues um, and, and the lay members as well, I think are very aware of the human impact that these sort of actions have. Um, on both parties, um, and it's it's important not to lose sight of that. Great. I remember a certain um, brandy tasting at your place. Yeah, Aaron. yeah. I, I don't remember that one very clearly, actually. <laughs> okay, and, move on. And you couldn't, you couldn't remember your way home, so I really couldn't. It was all. Um, it was a lovely brandy. Adrian had been given this amazing bottle of brandy by a by a client, and poured me the the. the hugest glass of brandy we, I'd ever had. We had had a very good dinner before this where we had had some very good wine as well. We, we had, had some jolly, jolly nice wine and, and we had this huge glass of brandy and my, my wife drove us home and this was when you were living uh, in Croydon yep. near where I used to live and it had been a while since I lived in those parts so uh, I got a bit lost uh, and my wife was saying to me, yeah, which which way now? And I said, I said, I know there's there's actually there's a shortcut. If you turn the next right, then it will get us get us home very very quickly indeed. So she took the next right and she said, um, "Are you sure about this?" Uh, "Absolutely sure," I said, nodded off for a while, and I woke up because of the the jogging of the car, and we were going down this unmade track. <laughs> I said. Where are we? She said, I'm going down the road. You told me to go down 20 minutes ago. I've never been here before. <laughs> well, where are we? I don't know. And it was then that she kind of lost her sense of humour. Not <laughs> fairly understandably. You, and, you and drove the car down the North Downs Way, did you? She did, yeah. Yeah. Possibly at my insistence. I don't know. I have no recollection of that. All I remember was I was, yeah, you know, I could have been neck pain because I was jogging around because I was trying to fall asleep and the car was going on this unmade track and she had to reverse a mile and a half down this single lane road. <laughs> I was not in uh, uh, in the best of, of places the next day. Vis a vis again for six months, you weren't allowed back out again. I wasn't. I wasn't allowed to have any dinner with you for about a year, was I? <laughs> and it was it was dreadful because I'd run out of the Asda brandy by the time you came over again. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
and then I tried to poison um, uh, Adrian with um, with with oysters. Well, poison poison is is probably too strong a word. I would say my, make my life a living hell with oysters would probably be more appropriate because I did wish I would I was going to die. It was pretty pretty unpleasant. It was just the way that um, I, I discovered oysters relatively late on in life, courtesy of Julian, who introduced me to them and, and decided that I rather liked them. And so I, I ate quite a lot of oysters for a, a couple of years and then had some oysters one Christmas Eve where I think probably one of the oysters wasn't quite right because I was fairly ill the next day. I used that excuse once. Yeah, I went to a whiskey tasting. Yeah. 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 Was that on veterinary ramblings? No. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, oysters, oysters can produce this toxin called scrofulotoxin, which is uh, fairly gastric allergic. And, yeah. um, and it, it, it's really a nasty, uh, I'm going to call it an allergy. It may not be an allergy, but it, hypersensitivity certainly. Yeah. Uh, certainly a very nasty one to have and, and and if you have it then if you eat oysters because most of them have a bit of scrofulotoxin in them you, you get this um this mild or not so mild uh allergic response and what it makes you do is to collapse usually on the floor of uh, of my bathroom uh in a, a semi comatose state uh, le- leading to, to myself or, or my wife having to step over the person who's collapsed to, to use the loo um, we could have been nice and moved him we, 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 we... So, so this was Adrian uh, one, one night he, he but this, this was the oyster that made this happen was it not, yes. not the three litres of brandy that he well Julian was very scientific about it actually because like any good scientist he felt that a single event was not sufficient form a conclusion yeah, what he decided to do was re-challenge and make sure that he ruled out lots of confounding variables yeah. so as he discovered that fresh oysters cause this reaction he said well how about perhaps we try smoked oysters because maybe the smoking will destroy whatever reaction it is and maybe, maybe there's something to do with them being fresh no smoked oysters do exactly the same thing and, and what was the other type of oyster? Oh, you tried oyster sauce, oyster sauce. I tried oyster, oyster sauce. That, that, yeah, oyster uh, sauce okay. That didn't work um, either. Uh, and and um, did I try dried oysters? Oh, yes, and dried oysters. Dried oysters also provoke the same reaction. So I think no, we can be reasonably okay. certain it is oysters. Yeah. And then yeah. nothing to do with the three bottles of brandy? No. no. So how are you going to try and kill him next time, Julian? <laughs> Actually, we, we both... We both tried to kill each other uh, various I, I, times. Adrian, perhaps you and I ought to have a conversation about this. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to kill you. I'm going to change tack there for a minute. Well, okay. I, I want you to change tack because because I, I noticed there that you were cracking a bottle of Harris gin. I know, I know. It's I've got to change first, tack because, look, I've just tried swig. this. This is my first swig of Isle of Harris gin. Uh, mate, this is amazing. You're enjoying it. So it says infused with sugar kelp from the Outer Hebrides or Hebrides, as I heard someone call it. And um, you can smell the seaweed. So it's got um, fever tree tonic. There's a bit of lemon in there. And over all that, it smells of the sea. Oh, this is great. My, my only worry is that... Um, uh, we're not going to be off, out of lockdown before I finish this. And so, Adrian, you may never get a chance to try it, I'm afraid. Oh, where did you get it from? Mike got it oh, from me. Paris. Yeah. <laughs> well, you actually got it. So it's, they don't ship it anywhere, I guess. Well, they, they will ship it. They're very, very protective about the whole thing. It's a fascinating place, um, <laughs> but they've got a few interesting ideas as to how to keep the money on the island. And one mm. of those ideas is... Let's not sell more than one bottle at a time to anybody from off the island. It's it's like an inverse marketing thing. <laughs> so it's supply and demand, essentially. Yeah. I, making I, I, it very I, exclusive. 
Yeah, I went there a few years ago when I was doing um, Tour de Vet Scotland. So I got off the ferry and thought, oh, distillery, got to go there. And it turned out that it was the Harris Gin Distillery. They'd only sell me one bottle. Uh, you went back with a false moustache on the next day. Would they have recognised you and said, oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> that's exactly, well, that's exactly it. So what I did was I, I waited outside and, and there were a few, um, there were a few uh, American tourists had gone round. And uh, mm. I waited for the, the overseas tourists to visit the distillery because then obviously you have your distillery tour and you go through the shop. So I collared a couple of uh, American tourists and said, you're not buying a bottle of gin? No, we'd love to, but we're not. I said, okay, fair enough. I said, so would you buy a bottle, but I'll pay for it? And so we went back up to the counter and uh, the, the chap said, I'm only selling you one bottle. I went, that's fine. But I'd also like to pay for a bottle for my new friends because they'd like to buy a bottle as well. So, <laughs> so they bought a bottle and it was all going swimmingly until the man handed over the one bottle to me and the one bottle to them. Mm. And they stuffed it into their bag and ran. So I legged it out of the I legged it out of the shop with my bottle and my box to, to post it, and and uh, I was greatly relieved to find just outside the door two Americans going. <laughs> he fell for that one, didn't he? So there was it. But I, I still had to put them on the bicycle and cycle them up to the local post office and post them myself because they refused to post them from or do a delivery directly from the distillery itself. There it is. Beautiful bottle, isn't it? It's, a, it's like really a lovely, yeah. lovely um, vase if you cut the top off it. I'm going um, to put some fairy lights in this. Uh, yeah. oh, Sorry, yeah. uh, you don't need fairy lights anymore, do you? They're, um, no, that's not PC. Not, is it? No. No, no because it's just going to cut that out. Might, um, yeah. What have you got against fairies? Fairies or fairies? No, fairies. fairies. Fairy lights fairies. are not thick, they're too big. Yeah, ferry, ferries don't work anymore because of A, Brexit, and B, lockdown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And C, okay. rust. Yeah, and you're not going to put a ferry light in there anyway because ferry lights are like this big. They're really huge, yeah. Oh, they're that big. And you know what, know what happened last time you used a big light, don't you? Last time he tried to light himself so he looked like a superstar. You know, we've, we've got lighting things on here. And he used, he used the headlight... Off a, off a, what was it, Triumph Herald? It was Triumph Herald, yeah. Triumph yeah. Herald. And he secured said light, which burns very hot, with hot melt glue. So we got halfway through the show, and the suddenly all the lights went out. Poof. Yeah, so no. And then smoke started coming out of the, yeah, yeah. Out of the holder. Ooh, that's not that's, good, that's is why, it? And that's why you should use a regulator, because a regulator controls the voltage between components. Oh, no, it's a resistor, isn't it? It's a resistor, yeah. It's a resistor. yeah. Okay. I think a regulator is something you use on your BCD. No, a regulator is something you use on the Nursing and Midwifery Council. Oh, which getting back to that, this discipline wow. in North yes, Nursing, how do, you, how, do you, how do you get that job? How, how, how did I get it? Um, well, I, I show um, an aptitude for, for disciplining naughty nurses. <laughs> well, we're, we're going back onto the wrong subject again. Um, so, uh, you're the regulator. Uh, I'm not the regulator. I'm I'm an independent member of their disciplinary committee. You're um, the chair of the disciplinary committee. Well, just one of them. There's lots, but uh, um, I applied for a role with the Royal College first. Um, so it was advertised on in the vet record, if I remember correctly. And because of Julian's experience, I thought, well, I'd like to get involved in that to make sure that that vets get a. a more of a, get me next time round. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, yeah how did he get away with that? I know this guy. How did he get away with that? I'm going to become part of the committee, and we'll we'll get him one day. You yeah. wait. So, um, so I I was successful in in joining the RCBS, and um, because I've done investigative work before when I used to work in pharmaceuticals, I quite like the you know gathering information and formulating views and things like that. And so I thought, well, I quite enjoy doing this. Can I do it somewhere else? And did a bit of research. And of course, all of the regulators have a similar um, regulatory process and they all need lay members. Um, and so I just started applying. Um, I've just 
suddenly realised that the the name of the the show is Veterinary Ramblings, and we mm. rambled. We haven't done much of the veterinary stuff. Yes. Uh, and so I wondered whether we could bring you back to the Bella Moss Foundation. Hmm. So because you're heavily involved with with the Bella Moss Foundation, or, or you were at one stage. I, I, don't yes. I, I haven't been for some time um, due to personal commitments elsewhere and things. Um, but I was quite heavily involved with them uh, when I used to work at Vetequinol. Um, other pharmaceutical companies do exist. Um, and um, I did quite a lot of work on antimicrobial resistance. Mm. And so that was something that the Bella Moss Foundation was quite heavily involved in, trying to encourage people to prescribe appropriately. Um, and so I, I um, did some work with them uh, on that basis. Do you, do, do you want to tell us just a little bit, just not, not a lot, but just a little bit about the Bella Moss Foundation? Because uh, I'm well aware that not many, not many people in this country, let alone uh, abroad, may have heard of, of, of the Bella Moss Foundation. And it's actually quite an important one. It's, it's fairly pivotal in terms of the antimicrobial movement in the veterinary profession, I think. Yes, I, I think she, um, Jill Moss, who is the, the, the founder of, of the foundation, um, was has been doing a lot of work to try and raise uh, awareness of antimicrobial resistance. Certainly, before it it really hit the public consciousness to the level it has now, um, and this was all um, precipitated when she lost her her own dog following um, a uh, uh, MRSA um, in, in post sorry, an MRSA surgical site infection. Um, and sadly, that claimed the life of her dog, um, Bella, uh, hence, the, hence the charity's name. Um, and so she kind of realised that not many vets were in, uh, aware of the problem, or at least were aware of it, but didn't really feel it would happen to them, like, like many things. Um, I think human nature being what it is, we, we hear of these dreadful things happening and think, well, uh, okay, well, they were just unlucky or it's very unlikely or whatever. And actually the problem with antimicrobial resistance is just a matter of time. Um, and some of our behaviors and the behaviors of our clients and the behaviors of our colleagues in, in other medical professions have made this much more of a hot potato than, than, uh, and much faster than would have been the case otherwise. Um, so, um, Jill um, did a lot of work canvassing um, support from key opinion leaders inside the veterinary profession. So she did a lot of work with the RVC and some of the clinicians there. Um, I worked with her as well on some uh, some aspects. Um, and uh, she also provided some help and assistance um, to, uh, to, to pet owners who um, were having issues with antimicrobial resistance where the clinician was struggling and she would act as a, a facilitator to enable um, the clinician dealing with that case to contact someone in the UK who knew a lot about that sort of thing. So for example, Professor David Lloyd um, did a lot of work with her, um, uh, Dr. Tim Nuttall. Um, I can't recall if Tim is currently a professor or not, but I know that he moved up to Edinburgh and I, I think he might've got his professorship, can't remember. Um, but that, I, think he did. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so if you're he listening, to, done, so it's a travesty if he didn't. But yeah, yeah I think uh, yeah, did. Tim definitely you know, really knows his stuff. Um, and so she would she would allow people to network. But it's an awful lot of work for one person to do. And although she is supported by by a group of volunteers, um, I think there was or there is um, an awful lot of demand for her services. That being a charity and and obviously. Um, charities rely on fundraising to to um, enable them to perform their function. It can be quite challenging at times, both in terms of money and and time and resources as well. And I have to say, it's a little, little plug there. If if anyone did have a little money to, to spare, then the Bella Moss Foundation is worth looking into. They yeah. were, as I say, pivotal in the veterinary antimicrobial resistance movement, uh, and and still are uh, yeah. offering not chastisement, but, but actually positive help to, uh, to, to vets and owners who are trying to find uh, the, the, the correct antimicrobial treatment for their pets. And they do provide um, uh, some training as well. So training for nurses in the areas of infection control, um, for example. Uh, so there are a number of courses. Um, 
that uh, that are very useful for veterinary nurses to to enable them to take the lead in infection control and practices. So there's some really good resources there. Now, uh, I'm brought up antimicrobial resistance in, in the hope that we could entice you to take part in this challenge we've been putting out to our guests on, um, on the provision of good quality CPD in a minute, the 60 yeah. second CPD challenge. And I wondered whether you might be interested in taking part in that. I could, but can I Excellent. change the brief? I'll get the timer sorted out. <laughs> sorry, sorry, what can you? Sorry, um, can I change the brief slightly? Because I had yeah. a think about it. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of the things that I would try and sell someone in 60 seconds about antimicrobial resistance, they may already know. So can I can I do a couple, two, possibly three top tips for a general practitioner. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The 60-second challenge is um, is really what you want to do. And so what, you want to talk about top tips for general practitioners. Yes. So um, so I'll, I'll start with the first one. So um, antimicrobial resistance, um, one of the most difficult things is people think that drugs will fix all their problems. They won't, of course there's often an awful lot of pressure. So what you've got to do is get them on side. Quick um, thing to give them is to remember that antimicrobial resistance itself is contagious via the DNA. The DNA moves, the DNA encoding for the resistance moves, not the bacteria. So if you're in contact with an animal that has an uh, antimicrobial resistance bacterium on it, then your bacteria can pick up that genetic element and vice versa. So if you use an antimicrobial irresponsibly, you can put the owner and the pets at risk as well as their family as well. If you're dealing with um, people trying to persuade them to treat fleas, use mosquitoes as an analogy for fleas. So you don't kill mosquitoes by taking a tablet to kill the mosquitoes after they've bitten you. Likewise, giving your pets something that kills the mosquitoes after, they, uh, sorry, kill the fleas after they've bitten is pointless um, because that is after they've got the problem, not before it. So, there you go. good effort, excellent, excellent, good fantastic. Effort. That's brilliant. That's really, really good. You were you were slightly over, so I'm going to charge you a glass of gin next time I see you. But that was really good. It was really good. <laughs> Actually, it makes perfect sense. I've forgotten how to turn this off again. <laughs> you, you don't want to stop a dog being bitten by fleas. You want to oh, stop it being bitten in the first place. Yeah, yeah. They're killing the fleas after they've bitten the animal is pointless because like mosquitoes, it's the bite that causes the problem. You need to stop them biting. And the biggest barrier to getting effective control of any skin disease is making sure they address the fleas. And very few vets are able to persuade a resistant owner to treat their house without using something that means is meaningful to them because you're trying to persuade them to treat something they can't see. And there's the whole negative connotation that if you've got fleas, your house is in some way dirty, which puts people on the defensive straight away and makes them much less um, amenable to, to considering alternatives. Whereas it should just be a part of normal pet ownership, shouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, you have sure. a pet, well, part of that having a pet is let's make sure your pet doesn't get fleas. So let's protect the house yeah. against fleas just to make sure your pet doesn't get it. Because you, you could argue that we're doing it all backwards because we should be treating the house. If you treat the house, that's where the majority of the population is. So if you're looking at it from a population dynamic side of things, treating the house is more important than protecting your pet. Yeah, yeah. Reducing the number of bites. So, so and all that your flea control that you put on your animal is doing is mopping up the stragglers. Yeah. We had, uh, we had a client a few years back who, um, do you remember there was a product, I can't say the name of it, um, but it, rem it rhymes with Uvan Awil. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was a, yeah. an environmental spray. And it said, in big letters on the side, must not be sprayed onto the pet. And whereas Uvan Op, again going into the, the rhyming thing, could be sprayed onto the animal. 
Uh, it did kill them quite a bit, but it could still be sprayed onto them. Uh, there are very, very, very good flea treatments available now that don't in any way injure your pet. But this was back in the dark days of 15 or 20 years ago when some of them weren't very good. And some of them were, were, were owned by a company called, I can't say the name. I can't say the name, but I can say that they rhymed with... You can't say the name because you know they threatened to take me to the High Court. They did, they did. <laughs> uh, it, it rhymes with flob parting. Um, <laughs> uh, do, I have to, do I have to defend my actions in trying to stop this particular company? <laughs> very, um, very simple, really, is that the, the main ingredient, which does kill fleas very effectively, is permethrin in this particular uh, flea treatment. Yes, it's and, really good uh, at killing cats. It's, yes. it's also particularly good at killing cats. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can use it with relative impunity with your dogs, as long as they don't live with cats. But uh, don't you dare get it anywhere near your cat, because your cat will endure a very painful and spectacular death. Awful. But, uh, so if, anyone, if anyone's watching this, please do read the directions on your on your flea treatment. Yeah. If it says do not use on cats, don't, don't use on cats. Simple as that. And, and and this is the story I want to tell about this this chap who brought this cat in that was fitting uh, and, and really having a miserable time with things. We got it fine. It was okay. We, we, we treated it and it was it was better. Um, but he'd used this product on it. Uh, and I said, do, you do know this says do not use directly on the animal. And he said, oh, no, I, I know that. I, I read that. I said, well, how come it's been poisoned by it? Well, I sprayed it on the inside of an hessian sack and put the cat in and rubbed it. Brilliant. You would think that having to work around the directions so much would have been a bit of a clue that that's a bad thing to do. You think so? What's always struck me about that was the fact that he very correctly said an hessian sack rather than a hessian sack. Um, (laughs) I, I was always impressed by that, but still felt the need to charge him double for trying to kill his cat. Quite right, too. <laughs> so, right. Well, but that's, 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 that's great, actually, Adrian. Thank you about the, uh, the, the <laughs> second CPD. Good, Luke, you, you, you're whacking this Irish gin tonight, aren't you? I, I love this. I, I, I hope you wouldn't notice. I think uh, yeah, I noticed. Here. I noticed. I'm quite... Whipping, I'm whipping quite, in. Actually. I'm quietly pleased, actually. Oh, that's great. Very it's amazing. It, just, it smells of the sea. Mm. Fantastic. I'm going to put some... Uh, Welks in it later, try that. No, don't. It, it's interesting oh, because oh, wait, wait. they actually recommend that you you add a an essence of sea kelp, which is um, it's about 60% proof, and it changes that gin very dramatically. And Does in it? my opinion, not for the better, which is why I haven't got you there. I, did, I, I may have misheard. It sounded like essence of seagull. Sea kelp. <laughs> sea kelp. Sea kelp. And, and sea kelp could save us all, couldn't it? Eventually. Sea kelp is the most amazing absorber of CO2. Mm. Uh, and and accounts, I'm probably going to get the figures completely wrong, but I believe accounts for something like 30% of all CO2 absorption. Mm. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's very it's relatively easy to farm. And you, if it's the right type of seaweed, and I'm not talking utter rubbish, um, you can make plastics from it as well. Absolutely. Well, this is sea kelp, this is Laminaria digitata. Uh, and you can indeed make uh, uh, fully recyclable plastics and, and um, absorb plastics from it. Um, oh, I've got a joke. Now, Come on. as you know, I always try and, um, and, and blend the joke in, if I can, yeah. to the subject we've had. And so it's very difficult segueing onto the joke I want to tell from what I've been talking about. Uh, but I remember, Adrian, when we were at college, we used to talk about um, biscuits during uh, during some of the clinical rounds, didn't we? We used to try and get the names of various biscuits in. in mm. Yeah, so we, there were a number of games a bit like that. Yeah, we'd say, you know, that the cat has a digestive problem and having a hobnob about it and um, wondering whether some sort of multi-milk product would help. Things like that. And, and I, I was thinking of, of different biscuits. And there is a 
there's a chocolate wafer biscuit in an individual packet, isn't there? I can't remember the name of it. Um, named after a, an aquatic seabird. Um, do you remember it? Uh, penguin. Pe oh, the penguin. Penguin. That reminds me of a joke. So there's some. There's this. <laughs> it works, doesn't it? it? Worked really well. That. Yeah, that was that was incredibly smooth. The way I, I love the way you just guided the conversation around there. Yeah, the, I, I could feel the kind of vacuum trying to draw the name out of me. Well, David Frost would do that. Yeah, that as me. Yeah. What you're saying, saying, Julian, is you've got a joke about a penguin. Oh, I have. That's it. That's I think idea. you've told that joke online before. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a different one. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's not about the penguin blowing a seal. Right, good. That was awful. That was just rude. Yeah. I'll groom from there. It's, not that, it's not that joke, is it? It's not that joke. But, but unfortunately, because it's not rude, it's not so funny. Go on. But there, there's a policeman driving along, and he sees a man walking along the side of the road. He's got, um, he's got three penguins walking behind him. That's what the penguins do. Uh, and he pulls over. He says, "Good impersonation of a penguin." Right? That was mad. You know, that penguin needs an antiemetic. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or yeah, a get onto that later. <laughs> and the policeman says, uh, well, what, "What are you doing?" He says, "Just taking my penguins for a walk." He says, "Do you have a license for your penguins?" He says, "I don't want a license at all." He says, they're, "They're a wild animal." He says, "They're not. They're my penguins. Did they're wild? They, they are. They, you should not be taking those." Out on the street, okay. Then they're not your penguins. They're a wild animal. Show me your wild animal license. Haven't got one. Okay, they need to go to a zoo. Do they? Yes. All right. Thanks very much. Right. A couple of days later, he was driving along and he sees the bloke walking along again. He's got the penguins. And he pulls down. And says, here, here, here. I saw you the other day. I pulled you up. He said, um, "You may have done, officer. You, you seem familiar." I'd, I'd have pulled you up. I spoke to you about your penguins. Yeah, a lot of people do. They're my penguins. No, no, I did. I told you they ought to go to a zoo. That's right. I remember you now. Yes, you did. Yes, thank you very much for that. Well, yeah, and? Yeah, thank you. I took them to the zoo. They loved it. I'm taking them to the beach today. Okay, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm crossing that joke off. That doesn't work. Yeah, it's, 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 well, I've got a joke, Julian. I'm going to tell a joke about... about oh, yeah. About um, midwifery council. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what, what's it called when a hospital runs out of midwives? It's called a midwife crisis. <laughs> Good as your penguin joke. It's better. It's better than the penguin joke. I like that. Can we? Can we get? Can we get Alicia, our producer, to, just to, to get rid of the penguin joke, but perhaps morph me into saying that joke, Mike, because that would be better. Yeah, I'm sure she could do that. Virtual reality and three-dimensional rendering and all that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit of uh, you know, uh, deep fakery. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I've got a CPD certificate. You have, have you? I have. Good. I have. So here we go. There we go. So this what? is, it says, certificate... Of geeky wonderfulness. Yep. Because as Adrian knows, I, I, I refer to him in, in dear terms as as, uh, as a geek because Adrian is an amazing technophile and uh, all the problems we've had in uh, technically over I've the last... Every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could cure every single one. So here we go. Certificate of geeky wonderfulness. This certifies that once again... Betten Ramblings has delivered a full quantum of delicious loveliness. Don't we rock? Yeah. There's a bit of a story always, Adrian, on these uh, CBD certificates. And so the, these are these are both baked products. Here's, here's a loaf of bread and here's a chocolate log. And it just shows that, that you know, as a humble, a humble loaf of bread with a bit of care and attention could reach and aspire to be a chocolate log, just in the same way that a humble moon with aspirations and hope and, and the determination could become a star. And this moon, by the way, is the moon at um, uh, the place I said earlier with the wonderful lighting. 
uh, and under is a reflection of the moon in the, uh, on the water there. Uh, and uh, you can get the gin from them. Um, very good. And that CPD certificate is available for download on Veterinary Remnants. It is. It is. And there we go. That is. Actually, we, we <laughs> might, you know, we, we might be missing a trick here because he, he says he's involved with the RCVS. Oh. So he put a word in for us to get yeah. ranked as, as proper CPDers. Well, no, it is, it is proper CPD. Well, no, it's not yet, is it? It's not fully CPD at this point in time. Oh, no, you're right. There's another step, isn't there? There is another step. Yeah, because we can't just we can't just give a, a CPD certificate out and say, there we go, there's your hour CPD, can we? No. Because no. you've got to reflect on it. Yeah, the RCVS tells you that. Yeah. So we have to reflect. Yeah. So, so Adrian, I mean, so that we can put this out as an hour CPD for... Yeah, and be eligible for CPD in the eyes of the RCBS, because you will put a word in for us, won't you? Otherwise, I'm going to tell the story. Right, I'm just wondering which one. Yeah, well, you better watch out. So that's, that's it. So we don't want to discuss that story live on air. Um, so um, so if you could put a word in for us, please, Adrian, um, and, and, you know, and, and join us now. In, in a moment's yeah. a moment's reflection to reflect upon the quality CPD that we have received on this show today. There we go. We're reflecting. I always look to uh, my left when I'm reflecting. It's a big bottle of champagne over there, isn't there? Can you see it? I saw that earlier on. I didn't want to raise it because I didn't want to distract you. And, and empty now, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But, nice, we, but we, we we did all right tonight, didn't we? We did we did Bella Moss. We did antibiotics. We did touch on the PSA something, VA. Something for everyone, as um, yeah. as was said in uh, for weddings and a funeral. Something yeah. for everyone. I, th I think so. So uh, so all all it all it holds us to do is to say thank you very much indeed for listening to to veterinary ramblings and thank you very much indeed for joining us this evening adrian and if you've liked what you've heard or you've seen remember that this this show goes out on spotify and uh, facebook and youtube and all sorts of places where you can get the latest updates on what we get up to on veterinary ramblings so please give us a like give us a share get your friends to listen and uh, spread the good news and if you've got any ideas as to anything that you'd quite like us to cover drop us a line and we'll see if we can incorporate it on one of our forthcoming shows let us know it's got to be contentious otherwise it's not fun absolutely and if there's any gin that you'd like us to recommend then um, send Mike or myself a bottle thank you very much indeed Harris Distillery of um, the island Harris thank you very much indeed <laughs> yes. thank yes. you very much indeed Adrian thanks Adrian Raise a glass to you, and may, may your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. Your dog. Cheers. And cut! There we go. <laughs> how, how was that, Adrian? Was that all right? Yeah, it was absolutely fine. Yeah, no problems. Yeah, did you enjoy yourself? I did, thank you. Yes, it was good fun. Hey, Adrian, thanks so Adrian, much. Thank you. Very much indeed. Um, oh, um, it's been a pleasure meeting you. And uh, may your dog go with you. Thank you very much. You take care, guys.